What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Daniel Salerson. Alongside today is Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com and Andrew Lopez, who covers the Pelicans and the NBA for ESPN.com, has joined us as well. Guys, how are you? Andrew, I'll start with you. Thanks for coming on, friend of the program. I am, I am very I'm very good. I, uh, I appreciate the the Georgia Southern shirt that you were sporting for your your team that can win by 118 points in a uh, in a basketball game. So props props to you for that. Yep, I didn't I didn't know how to how to feel about that. You know, part of it I was like, wow, that's awesome. But part of me like kind of felt bad for how things went for Carver, who only scored 15 points in in 40 minutes, and someone had zero points, 11 turnovers, and that was like right on the graphic too. I was like, man, they, it was you know clearly. But, Clearly, Georgia Southern just had a bunch of Herb Joneses. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Can't stop Georgia Southern that game. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. And, Jim, as always, glad to have you on the program. And, look, this is a, an interesting time for the Pelicans here at 8-21. and 21. Um, You know, they're they're 15th in the, in the West. We'll get to this. But they're also only four games back in the loss column of that playing spot. But I kind of want to first ask you both about you know, this was kind of brought up uh, last week or the beginning of this week. I can't tell time anymore about how Willie Green kind of evaluates games in increments of 10. And tonight will be game number 30 in Oklahoma City as the Pelicans take on the Thunder. So, Andrew, I'll start with you and I'll get Jim's thoughts of how have you, what have you seen from this team from games 1 through 10, 10 through 20, now 21 through 30? Have you seen mostly progression? And if not, where are some of the things that you think they've taken a step back on? Uh, I definitely think you've seen progression, I think, especially when you're what five and five in your last ten games. Um, you know that's after the the one and twelve start, uh, you've seen. Uh, I, I think growth definitely on the defensive end, even though they're still towards the bottom of the league, I believe in, in defensive rating. Um, you've seen growth on that end, and I think we've seen that when this team wins games, it's it's typically on that end of the floor, right? Like it's, you know, they're not necessarily out here winning 120 point shootouts <laughs> on, on both sides. Uh, they're winning it with defense. And I, I think you can, you can look at Herb. Like we, we talked about it earlier. Uh, you could look at Herb, you could look at Josh Hart uh, as kind of helping to, to stabilize that, that starting unit. And uh, I think the biggest thing in the last 10 games has been Brandon Ingram. Um, Ever since he had that conversation with Willie Green in his office, he's been uh, he's been another player, and his his assists have been up. Uh, his he looks more comfortable scoring, but I think the biggest thing to me, he's put in more effort on the defensive end, and and you're seeing that right now. Uh, he is he is getting better on that end, and I think it's it's a it's a help. And then you're obviously you're just looking at kind of some of these other pieces to, to still fall in line. So you are, I think the Pelicans are trending up, although they, I mean, it's, which is weird to say for a team that is last in the Western Conference, but in the last 10 games, they are, you know, heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think one of the things, I mean, just from a purely objective standpoint, if you want to measure things, one of the things I noticed when Daniel brought up the 10 games increments for Willie Green, I mean, the Pelicans were one and nine in their first 10 games. Then they went three and seven in the next 10. So that now you're four and 16 and they're four and five in their, the next nine, which tonight is the 30th game of the season. So 
I mean, they have a chance for the first time in the 10 game segments to actually be 500 tonight. Um, so that, that right there just shows you that if, if they went tonight, they went from one win to wins to five over those 10 game spans. Um, as Andrew said, though, they have been better. Um, I think at the defensive end, they've been better in a lot of different areas since the beginning of the season. I think three point shooting has been better. There haven't been as many games where just that was a major factor in why they lost a game. Um, so, you know, I think Jonas Valanciunas has been great since I was going to say the first game, but really the second game, because I know everyone remembers he ha had a rough, um, uncharacteristic night in the opener against Philly. And then the way that Ingram has played lately has been huge as well, um, keeping them in almost every game. It, it feels like they've been very competitive, even in most of the losses. Obviously, the historic shooting performance by Dallas was an exception to that in the game that was played in the Smoothie King Center. But I think they're definitely making progress. Unfortunately, you can't um, tell the NBA, okay, can we cut the season right at about, you know, maybe mid-November and just count the games after that. Um, I always hear Charles Barkley on TNT say when someone brings up like, hey, this team is, um, you know, so 10 and six since Christmas. And he'll be like, yeah, but the season started in October. So it's kind of that thing where, you know, they dug themselves a huge hole, obviously, but it is very encouraging to see them play better over the last few weeks. And I think one of the things in the back of my head is, you know, if they keep, you know, 500 isn't really a goal that makes you that excited, but if you play 500, maybe a little better than that over the next stretch of 10, 20 games that maybe you have a chance to get back into the conversation as far as the postseason and the play-in tournament goes. And if you look at the slow start for the Pelicans, I think it's safe to say that a couple of factors were brought into that equation where one, you're without Zion Williamson when you thought maybe there was a chance for him coming back. And two, with a new head coach and Willie Green, this roster, you know, is built around the play of Zion Williamson and also Brandon Ingram that you're having guys that have had to change their roles dramatically um, and what they were going to do with Zion on the court and then what they're going to do without it. So I feel like now given the 30 games, They've been able to get used to that a little bit more. But, Jim, I'll start with you. Look, we know that Zion is, is still not going to be ready to play. We're not sure when he'll be ready to play. But does that change anything right now with this team? Because they have gone the first 29 games without him. But I know, you know, sure, in the back of their mind, they're like, man, he's got to hold down the fort until he gets back. And now you're still uncertain about whether he gets back. So I'll start with you, Jim, and then I'll go to Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I hope that – the players and the coaches and everyone has just come to kind of grips with the idea that he's not going to be coming back soon. And so you have to kind of just roll with that. Um, I think one of the things that's been positive, we were just talking about how they they've made progress and they've been better over the last 10 games, the last recent stretch um, really since Brandon Ingram came back from being out in a stretch where they lost all seven games is they've had a little bit more continuity lately. Now there's been injury. There's been injuries to guys that have kept them out for a few games here or there. Josh Hart, when he went out for three games, I think was pretty costly as far as the way that the team played. Um, Devontae was out for a little while, but it, it does seem like at least in this very recent span, you're starting to see more or less the same starting lineup every game. And you're seeing a pretty reasonable combination of reserves where they pretty much know how many minutes they're going to play and exactly what their role is. Unfortunately, the bench part of the bench playing better coincided with Kyra Lewis playing a lot better. Now he's out, 
but um, I do think that they're able to get into some kind of, I don't know if groove is the right word, but just to be able to have that consistency, I think has definitely been very helpful of, you know, which nine or 10 guys are going to be in the rotation each game. Yeah. To, to that. I mean, I think at this point, knowing, you know, that, that Zion is, is out indefinitely um, per what the team said last week, it, it, it helps. I think you can start to move forward with this solid group and kind of the Jim's point, it, it's kind of, it's rough that that Cairo was, was playing well for about a, a seven, eight game stretch. And he had really had a grasp on that backup point guard spot. You got to think, remember, Willie had been playing 10 guys and Cairo was starting the first and third. Saddle was starting the second and fourth. The first game that Willie changed that rotation to where Cairo was getting all of the backup point guard minutes was the game that, you know, he, he injured his knee. So uh, just, just a rough go, but I think that aside, you've had a pretty solid bench rotation. You have to love the production, uh, Billy Hernan Gomez has given you uh, during this stretch where he has really become, which is weird to say, a double-double threat off the bench in, in about 18 to 20 minutes a night, right? So, um, but I, I think it has helped. I think the talk with Brandon helped. I think Josh Hart playing more down downfield, downhill, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, downhill. Downhill is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, playing downhill uh, has worked. Um I think he's he's over 50% shooting this year. Um, his two percentages going up. His two attempts have gone up because he, um, you know, he just he's been getting to the rim and finishing on, on either side. That's been uh, fantastic to watch. But um, I, I think the kind of stabilizing the rotation has helped. If a guy misses one or two here, that's great. I think Nikhil going to the bench has helped also solidify that bench. Um, that, that was not a, a strength for this team early in the season. And uh, I think it is, uh, it, it is working its way up to, to being something that's not, um, you know, not bottom of the league. So anytime you're not there, you're, you're, you're fine as, as things continue to move up. And before Sunday night's game, you talk about consistency and stability. That starting lineup was four and two and now four and three after the loss on Sunday night in San Antonio, but I feel like a big part of that starting lineup, and I'll start with you, Andrew, is Herb Jones. And the one thing that we always bring up on our radio broadcast is how the heck do you end up at pick number 35 to New Orleans, the way he's playing. Um, and look, Jim brought it up in one of his poll questions today about, you know, where does he stand as far as others and maybe an all rookie team or where can he fall in that category? Just what have you seen from him that just, again, just, it's so amazing to see the things that he can do, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And you're starting to see the offense kind of work its way up to what it can be. Um, I guess kind of give me a, an overall summarization about what you've seen from Herb Jones for the first 20 some games that he's played in. First thing I want to mention about Herb Jones. Um, I don't know how basketball reference still has him listed as a center. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've, you've gone and checked that out. It says it's like 96. I was like, ah, something's wrong there, especially since yeah. he's playing a ton of minutes. Uh, with JV. Um, he has been just very, very good this year. I mean, I think there's there's no other way to kind of slice it. If you were, we're talking about 10 game segments, right? In his last 10 games, he's averaging uh, eight points, the re 3.6 rebounds, but almost two steals a game, uh, a, a 1.2 blocks a game. He's shooting the, the three better in that stretch. Um, I think he's he's five of four, five of 12, I think, in that stretch. Um, 
you know, maybe he would be like, you know, seven for 14 if he can keep his toe off the line, um, <laughs> which I know he's. Uh, That's very tough to do for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. So he, he may uh, take the, the Frank Jackson uh, lead the, the team in long twos award uh, for for right now. But I think Fred's Fred's working with him on that. But he has been I think one of the one of the things to me that stood out about Herb is his ability to contest shots on the perimeter he's he's come up with a, quite a few um blocks on three-point attempts um which is pretty hard to do in the nba i mean usually the guys who are leading i mean you know anthony davis led that you know he was very very good at that for for, for quite a while because of his length herb is a, is a shorter guy but i remember we asked him about it a couple of weeks ago and he's like i don't think guys realize how long my arms are um, yeah and then and then he was like i don't I surprise myself sometimes. So I guess Herb doesn't know how long his arms are either, <laughs> uh, at, at the same time. So uh, he's been very good on, on that end. He he just understands the game. This is a guy who was SEC player of the year, SEC defensive player of the year. You know, you he slides to 35 because, because of his shot and because of, you know, the, the fact that he was a four-year guy that's not as – you know, in the draft, you're looking for upside. I mean, this is a guy who was already coming in. Excuse me. He was going to play his first NBA game at 23 years old. Well, that, that doesn't always fly, I guess, with, you know, NBA evaluators. And, you know, kudos to, to the Pelicans for, for finding him there. I, I do think he needs to be in a um, the All-NBA rookie team conversation. The thing about the All-NBA rookie team, which is different from all of the other teams, is the NBA rookie team – uh, is not positional. It doesn't lock you into positions the same way an all defensive team or all NBA does. So you have a little bit more wiggle room there. Although, you know, according to basketball reference, he's a, he is a center. So uh, maybe, maybe some people will see him as such, but um, so I think that helps because usually at, you know, at the, in the rookie on the rookie teams, you have a, a lot of wings who are, are going to get minutes. Guards are going to get minutes. You don't, you know, centers are, you know, obviously Evan Mobley is going to be up there this year, but you know, uh, Sengun probably going to be in that in that bunch. But you don't necessarily have to just have, you know, set position. So I think that helps him out uh, as well. So we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Andrew, I know you were joking about how Herb doesn't necessarily know how long his arms are. I'm starting to wonder if he doesn't know how how long his feet are either. But based on how often he's his toes have kind of inched over the three point line, so. I do. Um, He's a size 14 the, shoe. Yeah, so. Fred, Fred Vinson yes. lets him. Fred Vinson lets him have it every time he he shoots along too. So I think uh, at least somebody's somebody's getting on him about that. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if um you know this this being the first time that he's shot from the NBA the further three point line if part of it is he's just trying to get as close as possible to the to the basket when he shoots to because I know it's a, it's a, this is a new thing for him to shoot well, from that distance. I will see this. This is so. You guys know this, but we can tell the outside world where we are in practice, the Fred and Najee and, and Herb shoot on that court that are that's closest to us. And I think with Herb right now, they are Fred and him are working on his form so much. That Fred is is more concerned about the, the elbow and the, sh the shooting motion that they're not. Always, I'm not going to say they're not looking at the feet, but they are more concerned with the shooting motion that it kind of, you know, hey, 
as long as the shot goes in, we can take care of the foot being behind the line later. Let's right. work on the shot going in first, and then sure. we can move our way to, okay, now make sure you're behind the line and get the shooting motion down. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I know we joke about it, but yeah. I mean, it is a great it's a great sign that these best, these shots are going in, you know, we can, I, I, I can understand that mentality totally that we can live with, you know, maybe a couple times here and there, there would have been more one extra point if he hadn't stepped on the line, but overall, I mean, to see the progress that he's made with, by making some of these shots has been incredible. So, but in, in general, kind of going back to Daniel's um, point about Herb and, you know, where he ranks among the rookies, I mean, for the 35th pick in the draft to be seventh in um, total minutes among all rookies just shows you the opportunity that he's gotten. I and mean, there's not many second round picks that have the chance to be on the floor as much as he has. And it's not like it's been handed to him. I think they realized early during the regular season that him as a starter was something that was very beneficial to the team. And I know people throughout the season have talked about how I haven't looked it up recently, but there, he was leading the team in plus minus for a while. And I think he was the only player that was in the positives and plus minus over the course of the season. So, I mean, there's certain things that he does that you, you can't really measure too much in statistics other than the fact that the team just seems to play so much better when he's on the court than when he's out of, out of the lineup. A couple more things before we let you both go. Um, something that we can judge him on statistics and just his value of the team. We got to about Jonas Valanciunas and where this team would be without him. And look, uh, we were talking about how he fits with Zion when, you know, at the beginning of the season, we didn't know his status as far as how Jonas, you know, has that post-up game, but he also can space the floor when Zion's out there. But even without Zion now, it seems like Jonas has become a huge focal point of this offense along with B.I. And it's based that three-point shooting that he was at the top of the league at some point. I think he's now trickled down to in the top five as ever since that 7-3 game in, the, in L.A., he's kind of fallen down in the rankings a little bit, which is still hard to fathom that game inside the Staples Center. But Andrew, they I'll, I'll start with you. were running pin down screens for, jo- for, for, for Valanciunas in that game. Like they were running pin down screens to get him three-point opportunities. That is still one of the more amazing things I've seen all year. And, and just to have him throwing it up with ease, every single possession, just back and forth, back. Shoot. I mean, it was just unbelievable to watch. But but Andrew, I mean, I feel like this is an obvious answer, but how, how valuable has Jonas been to this team and where would this team be without him at, at this stage? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think we would be having a discussion about being four back of the play-in if, uh, right. if he, wasn't, he wasn't on this team. I mean, look, uh, he's, he's basically averaging 19 and 12 right now, uh, shooting 80, 82 from the line. He, he's 46 from three um, on two and a half shots a game, which I think is the important part there is the volume of shots. He's already at, uh, I think his tied his career high for, for three pointers made in a season, and we're we're going into game thirty tonight. Uh, he's just been great, and I think there's been there's been a lot of times where, you, you know, the Pelicans have needed a bucket, and they just say, "Get on the block, go go get us one." And I think that is what you are one of the things you're missing with Z was the ability to just give it to Z and say, hey, we need a bucket, just go get us one right now. And he would fight his way through through the trees and go somehow get, you know, get a layup on the other end. Uh, I think you can do that with JV right now. Um, he, can, he can fight his way in, he can work his way down, get a layup and, or, or get a little hook shot or get something or get fouled. Uh, 
and and, and get to uh, get you points on the board. And it's kind of kind of stabilized uh, the offense a little bit. One thing I would like to see this team do a little bit more, uh, JV, Brandon aside, I, I know some of this goes with getting calls. I'll let you guys uh, talk about getting calls or, or, or whatnot. But, I'm good. Uh, this team is, is, I think, is top five in the NBA in free throw percentage, um, shooting above 80% from the line. But they're 24th in free throw attempts. Uh, I, I would like to try to see them get to the line more. I know they liked when games are physical. That plays in their favor. Um, if they could get to the line a little bit more, and I think that would, would help them get a couple of easy points on the board and, and, and go a long way. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned you bring that up because I feel like that was the opposite of last season where last season they were ranked near the top in free throw attempts, but near the bottom in free throw percentage. So um, it's kind of flipped from a year ago. In terms of Jonas go with the production that he's given them, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Andrew said. He's been kind of the kind of the rock, kind of the anchor or something that you can count on from game to game, not just in that you can, you know, get him the ball in situations where the team really needs a basket, but just night in and night out. I mean, um, the guards, it's, this is not breaking news. The guards really across the board have had inefficient seasons where um, you have a lot of guys who can jump up and have a big game, but it hasn't been a nightly thing where, you know, you can count on this, this guy to score 18 points, 20 points regularly. Um, and some of that is based on the three-point shooting fluctuation from the perimeter guys. So really beyond Brandon Ingram, they needed another guy that they can count on to where you know what you're going to get from him. And, I mean, Jonas, especially with – I think he's still leading the league or tied for leading the league in double-doubles. I mean, that stat alone shows you how much that they can count on him to give them pretty similar production every single game. And just from a – from an offensive standpoint, they're still, you know, in the bottom tier of the league in offensive efficiency. But, but like Andrew said, I mean, without him, it would really be frightening to look at some of the numbers. He's been able to lift them up. And, um, you know, even in, you know, it's not like he's going to have seven threes every game like he did against the Clippers, but he's been able to make enough other threes that to be a threat there. And just overall, I mean, I can't remember the last time that he had a game where he wasn't, uh, very productive at the offensive end and for a team that has doesn't have multiple guys that are going to give you around 20 points per game I mean that's it's pretty hard to measure how valuable that's been he definitely has been extremely valuable for this team and, and will continue to as the, the Pelicans try to get back on track tonight as they take on the Oklahoma City Thunder tip-off set for 7 p.m at the Paycom Center in OKC uh, you can catch the game on Valley Sports, 7 o'clock. Also listen on ESPN New Orleans at 7 o'clock with pregame coverage. We can get both at 6.30. Jim Mike and offer from Pelicans.com. Andrew Lopez from ESPN and ESPN.com. Guys, I really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see if the Pelicans get on a little bit of a streak here. It should be interesting on Friday when the reigning champs come to town. We wait the word of Giannis Decumbo, who has entered health and safety protocols, but got to start with tonight and get a win in OKC. Guys, I appreciate it. Looking forward to the game tonight. By the way, quick note, I think we need to – someone in the NBA needs to send out a memo every time an arena changes its name because I swear there's already been like three or four times this season that I went to say what where the game was played and it was wrong. So you just reminded me of that. What is it, the Paycom Center? Paycom Center, yes. Okay. I'll, I'll have to make a note of that so that I, I don't I was, call it what I it was, was called before. I was only reminded by that by Devontae Graham's uh, Instagram post last night, so – Thank you. Thank you for the reminder, uh, Devontae Graham. <laughs>
the one that fooled me was uh, no more uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse. It is Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I learned that a couple of nights before we ended up getting to uh, to Indianapolis. So, yes, Miami's changed their name. Before Don't forget Denver's Center changed their name. Phoenix has changed their name. Denver's Ball Arena, which I think was last year, too. Um, so there are yeah. a few. I think we're going to we're gonna have to do a podcast on arena changes. I'm telling you, the notifications on this are just way behind. I, I, I feel like I'm – as in depth and deep into the NBA as you could possibly be. And I'm caught off guard by this. So that's, that's not a good sign. I know there was a footprint center and an XTC uh, zone you, or something. Just wait till you get to crypto.com so. arena or crypto.com <laughs> yeah. exactly. called. We'll have a test at the end of the year to see if y'all can name every single arena as uh, Andrew's dog makes an appearance here. That's when we know that's how we cap off the show with appearance from the dog. All right, guys. Uh, Hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you again on Friday with the voice of the Bucks. Dave Cohn will join us to talk about Pelicans and Bucks. Until then, for Jim and Andrew, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.